0: What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. This is your host, Dan Giffen. Today's episode is sponsored by Loop Cloud, which I highly recommend. I've been using their desktop app for the last month and started using their samples in my productions. I'm a big fan of this platform. If you don't know what Loop Cloud is, it's a software app and a website that lets you search an award-winning catalog of over 4 million royalty-free sounds and loops and instruments. It has a full-featured sample manager built into it. Uh, Loop Cloud synchronizes with Ableton Live as well as other DAWs, so you can quickly search and audition sounds and key in perfect time with your music. It's pretty cool. It has a loop editor so you can chop up and pitch and affect the sounds in really cool ways. Uh, You can even add your own sound library, which is automatically indexed with tags, so for future reference you can quickly find and store the sounds and access them from multiple locations. They have a free 30-day trial at loopcloud.com. I definitely recommend checking it out. If you need to add some more samples or any of the things I just mentioned, totally worth it. Uh, Just go to loopcloud.com. Check it out. For today's episode, I had an awesome conversation with the CTO of Isotope. I think many of you probably have already heard of Isotope. If not, you're about to find out. Jonathan Bailey and I had a great conversation. We talked about the company and how they develop their hardware and software products. We talked about uh, different ways that you can use their products, technology development and future happenings with uh, mixing and what's going on in the world today. Also, one last thing, Isotope is having a huge sale on their website right now, including their music makers bundle, uh, which you can save over 80% off right now. So check that out comes with a lot of plugins and that's good until June 4th of 2020. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And here's today's episode with Jonathan Bailey. For a lot of people who don't know anything about you, uh, like tell us about yourself, your musical background, and maybe how that led you up to working with Isotope.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I have um, maybe a little bit of um, an atypical background getting into music technology and that. I talk to my team about this sometimes I took um, I wanted to go from point A to point B and I took like the most circuitous and winding path possible to get there I did <laughs> not to go, take a straight line at all yeah so my, my background is uh, the music part of my life came first I um, my uh, mother I uh, was a music teacher and I had music in my family um, my first instrument was the trumpet which I I um, wisely and correctly, gave up on pretty quickly, and then I <laughs> started learning how to play the drums. Um, okay. And so you was,
0: went, you went from a loud instrument to a louder instrument, a louder isn't? instrument. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Um, cool. Yes, so I'm I'm a drummer, almost lifelong drummer. When I went to college, so I you know I I played in bands in high school and stuff like that. Um, and when I went to college, uh, oh, and the other thing to know is um, both my parents worked in Silicon. Valley. So I grew up in the Bay Area in California. Nice. And so what what that very nice part of the world to grow up in. And of course, as like a good red blooded American punk rock kid from Silicon Valley, the last thing I wanted to ever do was anything related to software because that's what my parents did. (laughs) And so I wanted nothing to do with computers or software or anything. Yeah. Uh, I went to college and I actually studied visual art, I studied That's painting, cool. uh, and nice. I thought I was going to study physics, and I took, uh, I went to Stanford University for my undergraduate, for my first degree, and I took the um, advanced undergraduate freshman physics class, which is kind of a weeder class, and I got weeded straight out of that uh, oh, program. It was super hard, and I stumbled upon at the, sort of, uh, one of my friends pushed me to take a, a programming class, which again, I had no interest, I, I didn't even have any, e- I didn't have an email address before I went to college, like, I sort of knew how to use computers, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I took a programming class, and I loved it. And I saw the kind of creative potential of programming, and I got sucked right into the computer science program. So I, play, I played music all through the time I was at Stanford. I played in the Stanford Jazz Quartet. I, I have a kind of jazz background. Um, as well as I played in punk rock bands and other genres of music, mm-hmm. uh, but I always studied jazz. When I graduated, so I graduated with a degree in computer science. I didn't finish my visual arts degree because I didn't. I would have had to have uh, spent an extra year at Stanford, and I couldn't afford it. Um, so I graduated. I started working, and within um, I, I worked in. This is 1999, graduating from Stanford University. So I thought I was going to become a millionaire. I moved to New York City, um, and I worked for a dot com startup company. It was acquired. That was cool. I did not become a millionaire, um, Um, but I had a little time to kind of start to learn about like what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. And by the time in my early twenties, I realized that I wanted to use my skills as a software engineer for creative applications and not just to make money basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to sort of yeah, I wanted to use that skill set to do something I felt passionate about. And that was re- that was obviously music for me. Yeah, And I spent the next 10 years basically trying to break into the music tech industry. So that's kind of my journey. Cool. Um, I applied to a bunch of jobs at companies that are some of whom are competitors of Isotope nowadays. I got rejected by everybody. I tried to get a job at Avid, Cakewalk, wow. Motu, which was called Market the Unicorn back then. All these companies, nobody would hire me. And so I worked in all of these other areas of technology and eventually um, I was playing drums through this whole process and this led me to go to, uh, ultimately I was I was living in Boston at this time. I went to, back to school at Berklee College of Music and I studied electronic music production there. And my theory at the time was I, I I had learned enough to know that I had this kind of connective tissue missing. So I understood software development and I understood music, like I could play, but I yeah. did not know I did not understand the process of music production or audio engineering. And so mm-hmm. that's why I went to Berkeley. So I got a jazz cool. drumming scholarship to go to Berkeley College of Music, but I studied music production there and that kind of filled in that missing um, educational gap that I had. And at that point I started to do some consulting and I got some kind of small gigs doing music software development. And I had done some projects on my own and that ultimately led uh, me to joining Isotope a number of years later.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I bet you, if you, uh, reapplied again to Cakewalk and Avid, they probably would hire you at this point, I would think. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. No, that's will cool... let you know if it comes up. <laughs> that's a good journey man i can relate i uh grew up playing jazz drums as well oh, nice. and i uh, have some similar stories as you just mentioned but yeah that's
1: Wait, cool where are where are you in the world dan where are you from
0: i'm in indianapolis right oh now. you are
1: really yeah Oh wow Amazing. yeah so we're not too far apart and uh i went to my du- wife is from west lafayette oh no way yeah her father was a professor at purdue and so she grew up she's a hoosier
0: nice yeah well i grew up in ohio i've been in indy about six years now and i actually moved moved from ohio to manhattan and then moved back to indy because it's a lot cheaper and now i'm really happy that i'm here but so what are you what are you seeing right now i guess like in the the brooklyn or new york music community with everything going on like are you seeing more people just making more music doing the live stream thing like how is isotope seen i guess like the the climate yeah and the current climate and economy what's going on
1: yeah, we're, we're um, this is a weird time to be running a company, I'll yeah. say, because, yeah. you know, there's, um, you know, obviously the markets are all over the place and mm-hmm. mostly down, but, you know, mm-hmm. pretty volatile right now, right? Right. So I'll just say, like, I, I have friends in, in other areas of technology that overnight have seen their businesses totally evaporate.
0: You know, right. A, I right. have some
1: friends who work at a company based in Boston called Toast. They're a very high-profile venture-backed company their customers are all restaurants and restaurants mm-hmm. everywhere are shut down. So their revenue just kind of turned off overnight. Right. Yeah. Isotope has been pretty lucky. And I think this is true in creator industries in general right now, mm-hmm. where the fact that everybody is, is home, people are clearly working on you know their personal projects and their passions and they're not right. spending money elsewhere. Right. And so, you know, we've continued to be pretty healthy as a business, but we have yeah. no idea to what extent that will continue. Sure. Um, but, you know, um, sort of now more than ever, you know, if you think about if we zoom way out from our current circumstances, there's been kind of an overall macro trend in music production, which is that it's gone from like very capital intensive. You need to go into a big studio. You need to have millions of dollars to make a record to Anybody can do it, right? Exactly. Yeah, and 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 this scenario I think is exposing and forcing people to be even more creative about how they can produce content, and it's only mm-hmm. creating more demand for content as people are staying home and right. you know, streaming more music and and watching more stuff on Netflix and. And there's a sort of content beast that needs to be fed with that as well. So yeah. so, so this is where I say it's a really weird time to run a company because we simultaneously have to be kind of protecting against future downside for sure. ourselves, for our investors, for our employees, yeah. Um, whilst recognizing there's like a little bit of an opportunity here. And mm-hmm. being totally honest, like there's a part of me that ethically feels uncomfortable with like being <laughs> opportunistic during a right. disaster or crisis, but...
0: But that speaks a lot about you as, as a person, as a company, as well. Just even saying that, and I I would even make the argument that now is the best time to be making music, really, for well, people. And, yeah, and you have you the know, tools for them to do that. You know, with Isotope's products, you're giving people the resources to solve existential problems. If I could say that right, you know. So well, people- I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I guess there's something like you know, there's nothing like a crisis to really force you to focus on what's really important to you. Sure. And yeah. like, I believe in our mission and what we do more than ever. And we, w- sure. but we take it really seriously. You know, um, yeah. we put that level of passion and commitment into what we do. And maybe a positive expression is of it is I feel just an immense gratitude for the opportunity that we have to be creating yeah. tools to enable people and inspire people to be creative themselves. Yeah. That's a real gift and privilege. And it's one mm-hmm. that I I take very seriously. And, and as I just said, I, I, n- I never take that for granted. I really, I find that incredibly motivating. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot, not everybody at Isotope is a musician or, or, or a content producer, but many of us are. And there's a funny shift that goes, I think, for most of the people who work at the company, which is a lot of people come in the door and they themselves create something, like they're, they're in a band or they, they have their own music project or you know they're they do their own podcasting like Antoine or whatever yeah but then when you work at a place like Isotope, you kind of become like a force multiplier because you go from just creating content to creating tools that to allow people to create content yeah and then for yeah. someone like me who has the privilege of being having kind of leadership responsibilities at Isotope, I create teams of people that create tools that enable people to create content and so yeah. You know we, we kind of are, are force multipliers for the creative fabric of the universe. that's kind of how <laughs> we think about it and that's that's um, a little bit of a mind shift, but it's yeah. it's no less satisfying than you know having your fingers on the keyboard and and making the music come out yourself. Yes yeah. but it's different. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I definitely want to talk about like the internal process of what it looks like to develop new products and future things you guys are working on. Like personally, I'm like I said, I've been a big fan of the products and you guys are always finding ways to use technology to expand off of products that you've already released in a like a wide variety of areas from like bedroom producers trying to clean up audio or do mixing or even mastering in a small room and you create solutions for that to people. Like I'm using Insight too for live performance to balance my tracks before I play in like a bigger uh, venue environment, like things like that. So it's so versatile in the stuff that you guys are producing. And I I I can
1: tell you the product was not designed for that use case. So that's really (laughs) interesting to hear about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been saving grace for me because uh, you just don't know how the sound from a master is going to yeah, translate sure. from a you know, studio I mean, to a large sense. venue. So. It,
1: it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So it's really versatile. I, I love the stuff you guys are cranking out. Thank um, you for the
1: kind words. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so talk to us about, I guess, what is the process like when you guys have a new idea? What does that look like with your internal team to have this idea of here's a need or this is a problem that we've heard from our user community? How do we actually translate that into being a real thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we could probably talk about this for the next eight hours, or probably sure, let's do it. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, process. I a, I'll, I'll spare you that. So I'll uh, say this with a couple of caveats, which is one, you know, we're getting better at this all the time, and I don't, I don't, um, I think we're, I both think we're, we're great at this, and I think we have a lot to learn still about yeah. this. Um, but there, there are a few different ways we approach this. There's no kind of one methodology that we use to go from kind of bright idea to product in the world. Um so let me let me cut it in a couple different ways. So one one thing we do is we isotope is an ambitious growth company and we're kind of looking at the market and at the competitive landscape for areas of opportunity and and areas of opportunity that are worth pursuing if that makes sense. So sure. you know so we, we've kind of differentiated ourselves in the marketplace with respect to uh, you know our competitors by really by relying on kind of new technology and in many cases what I mean what we think of anyway is kind of groundbreaking new technology. Like solving a problem that has never been solved before or was is very difficult to solve, right? Yeah. And um, learning from other industries, how they've solved that, and maybe con- kind of comparable problem spaces and applying that to audio or music production or through the technology and research and investigation work that we do internally. W- as we as we look at the overall, you know, the overall market of audio production, music production is pretty big. So we break it down by different customer cohorts or, or, or different customer types, and we call those personas individually. Yeah. So we have a sense for each one of their pr- those personas, what the offerings are in the marketplace right now, and what their sort of primary problems or pain points are. Sure. And so, part of the methodology that we use is so. I'll, let's get really concrete here for a second. Let's take let's take Insight too, because. Cause I'm a fan. Cause you're a fan. Cause yeah. you said you like it and you use it in an unexpected way. So we'll just, let's just set that aside for a second. Okay. You're using insight wrong, Dan. And by no, the way, that's I'm, great. I love I'm it. Stereotypes I love it. Now. <laughs> I'm happy that you're using it wrong. Thanks. Thank you. Your creative pursuits. So our the customer that Insight 2 was designed for is called Pip Pippi. is our post-production professional. PipPi yeah. is a professional, probably 40 to 50 years old, works in a studio, 9 to 5 job, has a background in music, is producing audio for film and TV applications, basically. Works in Pro Tools. Uh, uses iLock most likely. So we have all of this kind of, we've built um, essentially a description of a real person, right? Right. And this, 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 but it's actually a fictional person, Pippi. Right. So Pippi right. is our best attempt to kind of reflect the center of the bullseye, basically. Like mm-hmm. what's the middle point of all of the, the different types of Pippies there are in the world?
0: See, I love talking about Pippi. I have a digital marketing background, so this whole oh, persona okay, thing, yeah, oh, okay. so it, this it is makes familiar great to sense for people. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. This so may, this may be new for some of your listeners, but this sure. is how we think about it. Right. So we never can know enough about Pippi, right? right. Except for the um,
0: learn Ableton. That's the only thing we we do know. Pippi's
1: not using a lot of Ableton as Pippi. Now, one <laughs> thing that's interesting about Pippi is Pippi. Some Pippi is Pippi during the day, and Pippi might be another person at night. Pippi might be a Roland who's our like in okay. the box music producer Ableton customer at night night. So in her free time, maybe she shapeshifts into something different. So we learn about our customer needs through a few different vehicles. One is we, we talk to them we do. um, So our design team is sort of leads tip of spear along with our product management team, but we do a lot of customer interviews. So on a weekly or sometimes even multiple times a week basis, we connect with customers sometimes over Zoom, sometimes in person. Although well, much more over Zoom nowadays. That's awesome. And we we interview them on. We do two types of interviews with them. We do problem interviews and solution interviews. Problem interviews are we're learning from them. Like what, what what's going on? Like what do you need? What are your challenges right now? And so we just try and understand what's not working for them. Mm-hmm. We don't see it as our users' job to design solutions for us. That's our job. That's what that's our responsibility. Now sometimes they want to do that they give a specific suggestions or recommendations for futures And that's all good too. But what we really want to know is like the why, like what are you struggling with and why, and what are you trying to accomplish? So that's a problem interview. And then the solution interview is we'll go back to a Pippi and say, okay, we talked to you last time. You said you were having trouble with, you're working with uh, music on a um, TV show and the, um, the vocals in the music are, are, are conflicting or like you're getting some masking with the dialogue at this part of the track what if you could pull down the vocal track and the music and emphasize the dialogue in the show and then we come up with something like a feature called music rebalance which we shipped in uh, the last version of rx which allows you to kind of remix yeah. um you know a song and kind of pull up pull down you can vocal.
0: isolate the bass and the vocals and the exactly, drums exactly. yeah it's very cool i played with that so,
1: so, so we'll, we'll present this as a solution or even sometimes this isn't like working software this is like a paper prototype or a mock-up you know our, our design team uses some tools to create um, uh, you know, uh, quasi-working, facsimile prototypes of something before we go build it. So this, so so we have this whole program around customer interviews. Um, another way we learn about products, and this is opt-in, but we instrument our products for analytics. So we know what they're doing in the products, which features are being used, which features aren't being used, how much time do they spend in the various modules, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That gives us a usually that in product analytics are really interesting because they kind of give us through the power of like large amounts of data they can kind of give us overall trends but they typically they give us the value is that they give us signals that we can use to inform something like a customer interview so they 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 reveal to us places that are worth exploring or understanding like we launch a feature nobody uses it right we can see that well, then the question is why, yeah. and then we might learn there's a discoverability issue with it. Like people don't actually know there's a new feature there, or we sure. just need to emphasize the new feature in our marketing. So um, yeah. we glean this from uh, user analytics, mm-hmm. and then the we and then the last place we learn about the customers is through this, some of the more traditional means that you might imagine, which is like industry reports, you know, uh, market data stuff, the, those those yeah. kinds of things, surveys, stuff like that.
0: See, that's fascinating to me. I mean, basically you take that persona, you connect with the actual users, and then you take the data off of how they're using the plugins in specific ways to basically facilitate like new growth or solutions to those artists. I know Ableton is really intentional about being involved in the forums that they have on their site um, to collect a lot of that feedback. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys are doing a lot of that user feedback as well, which is is really helping you out in the long run. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess, do you have any fun stories behind what inspired a certain product? Like, was there anything that really surprised you of, like, how a product turned out or was developed or, like, anything that was just really
1: unique? You know, um, I threatened to talk about Insight 2, and then I forgot to in my example just now. But I'll (laughs) give you... uh, But I love... I, I, I always really... I think we all enjoy hearing stories of where our products are used in different ways than we imagine them being used. Yeah. Actually, the very first project I worked on at Isotope is probably my best example of this, which is, so when I I joined Isotope in two thousand and eleven, and the first product that I worked on was uh, we have a visual spectral synthesizer, kind of sampling synthesizer product called Iris. It's uh, Iris two is the current yeah. version of it. So I worked on I was I, when I joined Isotope, I joined as a software developer. I didn't join as a CTO. I was actually hired by the founding CTO of the company, who's the co-founder with my boss, the CEO, a guy named Jeremy. And right. I worked as a developer. I had actually been a CTO at my last job, but I joined Isotope as a software engineer. The Team was relatively small at that time. And I just had a lot of admiration for the company.
0: Yeah.
1: I was kind of like like how your kind things that you said about the company, I had that same perspective from the outside looking at a Cool company, sure. really great products. I want to understand what makes them tick. Let me go, you know, there's an opportunity to go work there. Let me go learn. So iris one was the first product I worked on. When we kicked off the idea for iris so uh the idea for iris came from uh, listening to a podcast actually uh, oh, i came nice. from the stonic state podcast and it was um dave and chris a guy named dave spears and chris McLeod from uh, a plugin company g4 software if you know that company and they make some really great yeah emulations of synthesizers like Moog and Arpsense and stuff like that. They have really cool instrument products. They um, also do a lot of sound design work um, in their professional lives and have great backgrounds as audio engineers and producers. They were using RX for sound design. Because the spectral selection technology oh. in there, they were able to get yeah. some sounds that they couldn't get any other way or like the, you know, the, you know the, it's very that's very powerful cool. spectral filtering technology. Yeah. And so they said on the, I think it was on Sonic Scoop podcast. They said, Isotope should build a synth out of this technology. And we heard that and we're like, oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah. And so I joined and I quickly prototyped what was in the early days it was called rx synth that's actually i still have like the code lying around somewhere called oh, really? rx synth before we came up with the RX. brand name iris yep cool um and so that's maybe i don't know i don't know if that's a good example or a fun example but that's yeah. an example of where a technology that was designed for one application it was literally designed for restoration and repair mm-hmm. but suddenly took a, you know, when you put technology in the hands of creative people, they use it and abuse it in all sorts of uh, unexpected ways. Yeah, And that's one of the things I love the most about this industry is where this kind of like innovation, um, innovative use of technology or innovative approaches to music production or creation, they come from places that you least expect. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That's one of the things that really motivates me. And I'm always very curious about and like to explore. And this is, I think, an example of that, That's my story about Iris. So, yeah, so that's where it came from. (laughs) That's That's his pedigree basically is how can we take this powerful spectral selection technology and use it for totally crazy like sound design purposes basically and build a synth around it?
0: Yeah, and you said it perfectly. You're giving the tools for creative people to be more creative. And that's right. There's really no limits with like music technology today. Like the first time I opened Vocal Synth 2. I didn't really actually like watch tutorials or anything. I didn't know what I was doing. I just jumped in and started automating random things. And it's got these yeah. really crazy cool vocal effects. Yeah. Like another example is, you know the song Like a G6 that came out of like course, a long so. time yes. ago?
1: Yes, yeah. um, 36 six Mafia, is that it? Yeah, that the exactly. One? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they
0: the embarrassed producer, that I didn't know
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's all right, we're all fans. But he dragged um, an audio cl- or a MIDI clip into the wrong track and that's what created that dun 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 dun, dun. it's just this crazy sound and then he ended up selling like millions and millions of records like from that song.
1: yeah it was a complete accident so yeah, i feel like there's so many even you know on the on the sort of creative application side but also on the um on the technology innovation side there are many examples like that i i have i have heard and read and this may be this may be apocryphal this may be a rumor but. Um, I, I, What I understand is that Autotune, that a foundational technology for Autotune, was actually originally uh, created for oil exploration. Have you ever heard that? No. You know that story? Yeah. No. that's So we'll see. That's uh, awesome. Your listeners can research that offline and you can f- message me and tell me if I'm full of it. But that's, what I've heard. that's, <laughs> right. that's a scuttlebutt. Okay, that that's cool. For that application.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. Hey, just wanted to give you a quick reminder about loopcloud.com. Grab that free 30-day trial right now. Uh, go to loopcloud.com, or there is a link in the description of this video if you want to just click that. It could definitely be a game changer for you as far as finding new samples and finding cool new creative ways to chop up sounds and effects and to store your sound library in the cloud, uh, saving some hard drive space. And uh, there's over 4 million sounds. It's all royalty free, so Check it out, link in the description and back to today's episode. So I guess like what are the future products that you guys are working on? I don't know if that's like too top secret or however much you want yeah, to share. Curious,
1: do you have other people, industry people, on? Do they talk about their future product roadmap? All of them. They all do. do they? They, sh- they share all their secrets. All the they time. share all their secrets. <laughs> I'm gonna no, I'm need to kidding. be a little more tight-lipped, unfortunately. That's yeah, fine. we don't. We don't, don't actually. Um, we don't. We don't reveal uh, products or product features yeah. that we're working on ahead of time. So I apologize for no, that. No, that's, I'm that's just pretty kidding the industry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: But I mean, I guess like maybe what genre like of things like more mixing? Are you guys looking at maybe doing more? sense type of things or is it well maybe, maybe here's what I'll, here's mastering. what i can do i can
1: maybe talk a, a little bit about sort of how we've approached product development over the past couple of years and your okay. uh your listeners can choose to extrapolate in whatever direction where we might be going <laughs> sounds so, good you know you mentioned so you're you're you know this being an ableton podcast probably most people are going to be more familiar with our desktop product line but yeah. um maybe a couple of interesting things to talk about one is you know, I mentioned this earlier, the way Isotope has attempted to differentiate ourselves in the market is through like really embracing technology and what is possible with technology. And so that's not just investing in algorithmic technology, but it's investing in new platforms and new places where you can create music. And if you look at every other industry on the planet, other than music production, most of them have heavily Im- embraced new platforms such as mobile cloud web internet of things etc etc and so isotope is investing in all of those places so we you mentioned a minute ago we launched our first consumer electronics product a few years ago called spire it's like um, the way i describe it for someone who's not familiar with it is it's kind of like a gopro for musicians basically it's that's a great description wireless easy to use battery powered personal recording device where you just press a button and it sounds great and a lot of our kind of core signal processing and analysis technology runs on that device it's accessible it's going after a different user than the person who's living in you know live or pro tools or you know insert DAW of your choice here all day long mm-hmm. there are a lot many many people who are passionate about music and who want to record but they don't want to buy a daw and an interface and a Neumann microphone yeah. and learn what the knee is on a compressor they want a easier or more Maybe accessible um, way to be creative and record themselves. Yeah. So that's a direction that we're pursuing. Um, I can imagine it. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Yeah,
0: I was just I was just going to say I can imagine it also could be useful for touring artists or people traveling constantly um, because then they can just track ideas really quickly right in front of them without so having to pull up an interface and yeah. a laptop and a mic. Yeah, day. yeah,
1: yeah. So people who are you know kind of recording on the go definitely use it for 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 that. Uh, for those kinds of applications absolutely we kind of quietly in the background over the past year we've launched a cloud um, component to aspire so um you can share our projects so for example if you and i are both using aspire and you don't have to have the hardware to use it you can just download anyone can download the app it's available for free on ios or android and google play so i can work on a project and i can share it with you we have this um, cloud infrastructure that we can share it through. As I send it from me to you, we can actually enhance it. So we can actually do some kind of automated um, enhancement. uh, Like automated compression. Kind of imagine where that'll go. We just make it sound better, basically, as it comes from me to you. And those are user-controllable features, ultimately. But, you know, you can imagine it's like a a kind of file transfer service with some added value on top of it, basically. So we're exploring how we can use these other technology platforms in order to, bring music production into the 21st century. Uh, It's kind of what we're trying to do. You know, a lot of, I have great respect for companies that make like emulations of hardware equipment and stuff like that. Those are cool. And many of the products sound great and we love them, but a lot of, a lot of what we're doing and how we work in music technology here in 2020 is based on sort of design patterns and principles that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old and are not really utilizing what we can do with technology in 2020. And so we're interested in kind of pushing pushing the envelope, and kind of moving the ball forward. That that's program. awesome
0: yeah no it's a cool product um and when did that come out when was that release
1: so the actual hardware i think was released in 2017 the first version of the app okay. was released in about the 2015 time frame yeah. um yeah so it's been out for it's been out for a couple of years now
0: yeah cool yeah it's a really interesting product especially with that uh, cloud sharing platform um, yeah. makes it pretty easy especially yeah. for people you know on the go traveling or whatever or just maybe don't have the engineering background like you said Just need a nice clean. And you could stem out. Say if somebody wanted to send a recording of the guitar and vocal and a couple yep. tracks in yep. the cloud, that could give me the stems as the engineer or the producer to work with. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's really
1: yeah, cool. and you'll see, you'll see, um, you will see um, some emphasis on this collaboration feature starting to emerge um, from the product. Uh, so if you're subscribed to like our newsletter, you'll see some marketing spotlights, some ways that you know, as uh, someone who's maybe doesn't work in like a DAW can collaborate with someone who works in a DAW, and some functionality to support that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's pretty exciting.
0: But yeah, I mean, pretty much that was a lot of things I just wanted to talk about with you guys, and uh, I just really appreciate your time coming out here and sharing what's going on with Isotope. And uh, like I said, I couldn't I couldn't say anything negative about what you guys have released. All the products are solid. Been using it for a while back in the day. Uh, Danny Wyatt was on the podcast, and he was. He's a pretty respected engineer in uh, New York City, and uh, yeah. he's he first introduced me to Isotope Products. Uh, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. So yeah, big fan. Well, really, you guys really do.
1: appreciate the opportunity to chat and and learn more. And when we're on the other side of all this nonsense, if you're in New York, come visit Antoine and I. Isotope's based yeah. in Cambridge, but Antoine and I are in New York. And uh,
0: absolutely, I'd love that. That'd be great. Likewise, Vice if versa. I'm knocking
1: around Indianapolis, yeah. I'll look you up. Yeah, it's
0: the promised land. Let me tell you, if anybody wants to come here. All yeah. right, sounds good. Cool. Yeah. Take stay, care. Stay okay. healthy. Yeah. You yeah. Too. Like Thanks. See you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, to this episode. Uh, please leave a comment and review on your listening platform, wherever you guys are. Uh, hit subscribe. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Also, want to give a heads up for those that didn't know, right now with my Ableton Live training membership website, LiveProducersOnline.com, you can save 50% on your first month subscription where I have hundreds of videos teaching Ableton Live from the studio to stage with my courses and webinars even with other Ableton certified trainers and myself. Uh, definitely a great tool to learn if you guys want to start DJing or if you wanted to get started in Ableton Live and you're new. I'd be happy to help you on the other side. Uh, Two membership plans. The basic plan, you just learn at your own pace and access all the training. Uh, The pro plan, I will help you personally on your projects monthly. Uh, 50% off your first month. Just use the discount code podcast. I'd love to meet you guys on the other side uh, the facebook group has been doing awesome it's been really fun to see people share their tracks in that group we're sharing every sunday um, and if you join the membership you are part of that group it's a great resource and community to learn and grow together and obviously ableton live is a huge part of that so love you guys have a happy healthy and safe week and i will see you next time